0: Joining me now for Lockdown Gators is John Garcia, Locked On's recruiting insider. And John, we have to start with the decommitment story because obviously Juwan Johnson was committed to Colorado and Florida Gators fans are kind of lying. Well, that's done. He's a DB. He gets to play under Dion. Um, and, and that's not the case <laughs> anymore. He's decommitted from Colorado. He's scheduled an official visit with Florida for I believe June 2nd is when it's set. But how should Florida Gators fans feel about Juwan Johnson right now? Yeah, they should feel
1: excited. They're right back in the race. We know Corey Raymond has been on Johnson for quite some time. Louisiana guy. We know about all the staff ties uh, there near the bayou. And, yes, LSU is in it. But I don't think this is a foregone conclusion for any program. Um, Because, first of all, Johnson has shown a couple of cards in his own decision-making process that – are a little outside the box, right? Committing to Colorado over LSU and Florida in the first place was a bit of a head-scratcher, a head-turning moment, I should say. Um, and then decommitting one day after going to Colorado's spring game um, was another very interesting uh, chess move in Johnson's case. So clearly he wants to do some due diligence here. And as you said, Brandon, he's going to take the official visit to Florida. And that's the only one – He's set to this point, you know, so I think clearly even if something is going to happen sooner rather than later, Florida is going to at least have a final program funded pitch to to Johnson, you know, under Corey Raymond, under Austin Armstrong, Billy Napier will get involved and has been involved simultaneously. Uh, So this is the type of prospect that you got to stay on uh, because, you know, there's a lot of conversation about a window being relatively short. You know, so I think this becomes a bit of a Florida versus LSU type of battle, which we have seen in the past, specifically for Louisianans and specifically in the secondary and Florida isn't, you know, uh, over in those, those pursuits. So I do think it's something that the, the fan base should very much pay attention to. Now that said, LSU, probably the favorite from the moment he decommitted, we started to hear some LSU buzz, but then he set. Florida visit. So it's clear that both of these coaching staffs were not very phased by that initial commitment to to Dion and Colorado, and they stayed with it through Johnson. And that's paid off because just a couple months later, he is now back on the market. Now, there are other schools trying to stay in the race, Texas, Texas A&M. He he had a huge scholarship offer list uh, coming out of LCA uh, this past year where he plays quarterback. He's just kind of a do-it-all player who's projected at at receiver or defensive back depending on the program of course at uf it is going to be on defense um and, and that's where johnson is sort of leaning and as you said when he picked colorado that was kind of the okay this is where it does make some sense but uh even though he says he's considering the buffs moving forward i think this is more of a classic sec battle do you stay home or do you go to the program that has recruited your home state very well with the guy who is most known for developing DBs in your home state in Corey Raymond. So I think this will be a fun back and forth between these two coaching staffs. And we'll see what Johnson does from a visit perspective beyond the Florida official. Does he set LSU? Does he just take a short drive from Lafayette down to Baton Rouge? However, that plays out going forward will be interesting. Could another school, get involved now that he's back on the market. You know, I think all of these scenarios are in play, but no doubt Raymond and company were on him throughout that Colorado verbal commitment and obviously made quick work of logistics and visit plans after he decommitted over the weekend and they've already got an official visit set for early June. So even if that's where the process is going to end, you've got you know another six weeks or so to do your work in between, and obviously, uh, try to hit an apex and roll out that red
0: carpet. Uh, when Jude rolls around, what are the odds that he went to that spring game and he was like, Hell no, it's too cold? <laughs> it was snowing, it was,
1: yeah, it was snowing in, in, in I was gonna say in Denver, in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and it was sort of a surprise. I know the forecast was supposed to be nice and and very springy, if that makes sense. And then uh, the 24 hours prior to the game, snow came uh, and and all of a sudden it became a whole different level uh, of spectacle relative to to prime and and that program. So yeah, there's look, there's a possibility for that. You're in one of two camps as a Southerner who goes to a, a cold place. And look, I went to grad school in Syracuse and I'm from Miami, so I get it. You either embrace it and say, wow, this is so different Um, that I'm just going to dive all into it and and just uh, take it for what it is, or you absolutely hate it. There's really no in-between there, so I I can't speak for Johnson uh, in his specific experience, but yeah, being from Lafayette, Louisiana, and going to watch your future team at the time play in the snow has to be um, you know, pretty stark for, for any of these these southern recruits. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that factors in. Yeah, I, I don't think Colorado is going to stay in it as much as Johnson is giving them the courtesy to remain in the hunt. But, yeah, you got to wonder, I think after the fact, after he makes this next commitment, we can double back and, and say, hey, uh, how was that snow? How did that factor into things? Because he obviously won't get that in SEC country
0: where he's, where he's most likely to to end up at the next level. Yeah, uh, I played a lot of football in in this now just because you know I'm from New York. Uh, I had teammates that were from New York and were like, <laughs> no, so yeah, so I don't blame anybody from Lafayette. It's just like no, not for me. I don't I don't like it. Um, but with so much of this Florida Gators coaching staff having experience in the state of Louisiana and I mean Lafayette specifically, obviously, uh, how does that kind of play into his recruitment? Where yeah, LSU's his his home state school, but you've still got a taste of Louisiana with you. I was not as good gumbo. I know that. But you still got a taste of Louisiana with you, with not just the staff, but the roster. Like you said, like they've gone into Louisiana and taken players before. So how does that kind of play into this dynamic of Florida versus LSU?
1: Well, it creates a level of comfort. And and all Colorado jokes aside, you know, he's Already made a firm decision to leave not only the state, but the whole footprint. So there's there's already sort of the at least planning just from, from a family standpoint. Hey, I'm going far away uh for my college football. Obviously that has changed and it will be much closer to home, we think, going forward, but it, it's another layer of comfort uh that Johnson's gonna have if he does elect to play his college football out of state. And look, LSU was in this from the beginning as well. You know, it's not like LSU offered. After he committed to Colorado and began pushing after that point, LSU was already very much in the conversation for Johnson before that somewhat surprising Colorado verbal commitment. So it's not like other scenarios where LSU comes in late for Louisiana and they say, oh, well, this is where I wanted to go the whole time. It's not that simple. And to go off of that, as you said, there's so many ties uh, to the state of Louisiana from the roster and the coaching standpoint in Gainesville. And then you're still, you know, in the sec, you're still very familiar uh, with what uh, you're up against. So I, I do think that this is more of a puncher's it's it's more than a puncher's chance scenario for Florida. It's not a shot in the dark. You're the, you're not the dark horse. I think this is closer to a coin flip than, than maybe the optics would suggest specifically with Florida going up uh, into Louisiana. And again, specifically in the secondary with Raymond, who again has recruited and developed more great Louisiana natives than maybe any other secondary coach in this country.
0: Today's episode of Locked on Gators is brought to you by Built Bar. It is a couple days away from May at this point. If you're trying to get that final stretch of summer bod, if you're trying to just trim a little bit of baby fat, still trying to throw a little bit of fat, trying to bulk up a tiny bit, Add Built Bar into your plan. They've got coated in 100% chocolate, first of all, most important. Most bars have 130 calories, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. You can get them online at builtorbuiltbar.com, or now you can go into your local Walmart or Sam's Club and get yourself that Built Bar. Flipping to the offensive side of the ball yeah, Juwan Johnson plays offense, too, but we're, we know we're talking about him as a defender, um, but to the offensive side of the ball and as polar opposite as Juwan Johnson, as you can get offensive lineman with Fletcher Westfall, who we've spoken about him before, but what kind of player do you think he projects to be at the, we'll say college level, but ideally SEC level? Yeah, this is a moldable prospect. There's a lot of tangibles
1: that you can pull, kind of like Johnson, that will eventually translate into something uh, so somewhat of a stalwart on your offensive line one day. Uh, Johnson, like we said, quarterback, receiver, does everything. We project him at DB once it all comes together with Westfall, two-way lineman, and just so darn physical, not to mention six foot eight, well over 300 pounds. So you talk about tools and, and what you can work with. Uh, any trench coach in America on either side of the ball is going to feel like they can do some things uh, with, with Westfall. Uh, and look, that's why his offer list has blown up. Um, he's been coveted by a lot of big-time programs, including the Gators, for quite some time because of that ability. He's great in the phone booth, obviously has a great length and extension, which which really translate translates on the offensive line as a blocker more comfortable run blocking than pass blocking today, which is usually the case anyway. So for him, it's going to be about um, adding that technique, dropping the pad level, because at 6'8", that's always going to be something that pops up, even though we see some NFL tackles at 6'7", 6'8", that have had a lot of success in in faster, more wide-open zone-blocking type schemes like Florida wants to implement uh, more as, as this Napier staff get gets settled. So there's a lot to like and a lot to work with. Uh, one of the rare prospects Brandon where you've got a high floor because of the the frame the physicality but also a high ceiling because he's got room to improve from a technical standpoint and from a pad level standpoint so I just think he's he's one of these obvious prospects that you you don't have to dig into very much to say okay I see why the SEC and the Big Ten even the Pac-12 is all over this kid uh, coming out of Virginia Uh, so I, I do think it's going to be a fascinating recruitment, and, and he's got a lot of schools under consideration ahead of that uh, April 30th cut that he's going to make. But I do think Florida will make that cut. Two visits in the last few months or so, both of them multi-day, family there with him on both trips. Um, the two O line coach approach is obviously something that for a kid who needs to advance his technique, something that he's going to buy into um, that two-way ability just screams SEC with that physicality uh, indicator as well. So, yeah, I think Florida's going to make this top five when it comes out here in a, in a couple days. And then uh, they're going to contend official visits and, and then a preseason decision thereafter, even though, uh, as, as you talked about pre-show, heavy list of, of contenders here for Westfall.
0: Yeah, with that list being, you know, Georgia, Auburn, Clemson, SEC schools, Pac-12 schools, uh, probably international too at this point. (laughs) But how could Florida kind of separate themselves in this recruitment outside of the obvious offensive line coaching staff is incredible. But outside of that, how can Florida kind of try to separate for Fletcher?
1: I think for him, it's going to be really about sitting down on, on the next batch of visits, which will probably be officials and really digging into the projection. Um, uh, am I a tackle here? Am I a guard here? Am I a right tackle here? What does this really look like? And to me, the staff that puts together the best development plan should be the one that wins out. And look, there's a lot of SEC schools w- within his, his current group, which is a top 10. Right? You mentioned um, Georgia, Auburn, Arkansas is is in there. Uh, obviously, Florida, uh, and we might as well throw Clemson in there as as that type of of program from a recruiting and geographical standpoint. So, I do think he's going to get similar pitches, but at Florida, I do think there's some uniqueness not only in the ability to develop and and get that focus with with two coaches, which is something Westfall has gone on record with as a strong selling point for the Gators. But obviously, the need and that ability to potentially ascend in relatively short order. You know, some of the other programs that we've listed. Pretty set along the offensive line. So even though I I do think Westfall is, is very much keyed in on his own potential development. Nobody wants to sit for two, three, four years if, if they don't have to. Develop me while I play, right? You know, so I do think that combination of a, a very specific approach at Florida with the two-O-line coaches, the style, the scheme, and I think the path to playing time is, is pretty solid. This is not a group under napier that has recruited a lot of o-linemen by volume so i do think that's something that could be appealing in addition to just the national appeal of joining this class of 24 at florida you know there's considerable uh buzz there for for the gators i was talking to to mario craver a couple weekends ago receiver at alabama who florida's in, in good shape for and he's like, man, you, you can't deny the buzz of this 24 class. It started with DJ Lagway, and it has expanded since that point. Um, so that's something that will resonate. And obviously, any offensive target becomes a guy you feel just a little bit better about with that, that initial battery on board uh, in, in Lagway and in Napier and, and the rest of the offensive commitment. So I think all of those points will help Florida to stay in the race and grab an official, which will be, in my opinion, really critical for a kid who wants to make a, a summer decision.
0: Yeah, and before I let you go, um, it is wild to me how when we're talking about someone like Fletcher Westfall, you're like, oh, like the, the tools, like the height, the length, the weight, the athleticism for players, and all this stuff, and you're like, oh, projecting it to the next level, and obviously we're recording this the morning of the NFL draft, and it is just insane to me that we can be three, four, even five years down the line with some of these guys and still go... Yeah, but you're talking about the physical tools that they bring when you can put it all together, and yep. it's just time is a flat circle. That, that, that's all I'm realizing as we're doing this. But thank you so much, John. This is John Garcia, Locked On's Recruiting Insider, and catch him all throughout the Lockdown College channel and still every week so far in 2023. Yes, sir.